0: Thank you for your presence. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, whom we have not seen, but hate our brother whom we see every day, the truth is not in us. And if the God's truth in its entirety is not in us, we are not genuinely saved. We can have Christian symbols on our cars, wear Christian symbols, quote scripture, pray eloquently and sing hymns and spiritual songs. But if we are not continuously living and applying God's word in our lives, We are not genuinely saved. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today.
1: What does it profit you to gain all this stuff and don't have a personal encounter with Christ? Number nine, many leave the church because they do not want to hear the truth about themselves from the word of God. Many leave the church because they do not want to hear the truth about themselves from the word of God. They prefer a feel-good, soft, cuddly gospel that does not offend. They would rather criticize the pastor and church than search their own hearts and allow the gospel to perform spiritual surgery in their own lives. So, they're so busy sizing everybody else up that they cannot critique themselves in light of Scripture. Next, many professing believers depart the church assembly because of an inability to change the church into what they think the church should be. That's a big one. Many professing believers depart the church assembly because of an inability to change the church into what they think the church should be. They have their own preconceived ideas about what the church should look like. Beloved, it is not the responsibility of the people to change the church, but rather it is the responsibility of the church to change the people through the transforming power of the gospel of Christ. The church will no longer look like the true church of Jesus Christ if she attempts to conform and accommodate herself to the expectations of the congregation. Did you get that? The church will no longer look like the true church of Jesus Christ if she attempts to conform and accommodate herself to the expectations of the congregation. This attitude only brings frustration, division in the church, an inability to worship, a loss of freedom. When you enter the house of God, your prayer before the Lord should be, Lord, help me to change. Your prayer should not be, Lord, help me to change this church. That shouldn't be your church. I'm here. I've arrived. I see what's wrong, and God has me here to straighten y'all out. That's pride and arrogance, and you need to go where you came from. But rather, your prayer should be, Lord, change me mold me, and shape me into the servant you would have me to be. It is a privilege to be at your house, to worship you, to do spiritual surgery on me, to get me to the next level in Christ. Let's transition. They were not from us, but they were not of us. If they were of us, they would have continued with us, but they left that it would be manifested that they were not of us. What a big passage. There's some more truths here. I'm not through with this yet. Buckle your seatbelts. If necessary, how should believers leave their home, you know, where the family live? I'm not talking about husband leaving a wife and a wife leaving a husband. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about children leaving the home now. If necessary, how should believers leave their home, the workplace, and the church assembly? Because I've come to the conclusion. People don't know how to leave, and they leave in a way that that breaks the heart of God. Number one, when you leave your home, your family dwelling, the workplace, and the church assembly, you should leave with a thankful heart, okay? Always leave with a thankful heart. Before leaving the home, workplace, or or your church assembly, express your appreciation for how, They have been a blessing to you and your family. And for you children out there, be careful how you leave your parents home. These parents ought to be saying amen. They fed you for 18 years, 19 years, 20 years, some of you 25, 28, 30. Some of you won't leave home. (laughs) You won't say bye. (laughs) Listen, if they've taken care of you and and supplied you and loved you and been a good example, not perfect. You need to leave home honorably. Number two, when leaving the home, the workplace or the church assembly, always leave in such a way that you can come back to your home, come back to the workplace or come back to your church. Please do not destroy your bridges because you might have to cross over them again. The prodigal son in the gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 20 through 21, he left home prideful and making demands upon his father, but came to himself and returned home a repentant son. Be careful how you leave home, the workplace, or your church. Thirdly, never leave home, workplace, or the church assembly. Never leave any of those entities destructively. Never leave messy. Never leave disgruntled. Never leave the home, workplace, and church angry. Some folk get so upset They just disappear. They vanish. You find out six months later, they've been gone without giving someone in leadership a notice of their departure. This leaves the congregation wondering what happened to them or why did they leave, resulting in some feeling abandoned and even hurt. Number four. Never hope things fail because you are leaving the home, the workplace or the church. That's satanic. It's evil. Never hope things fail. Wish people well. Bless them. Pray for them. Never hope things fail in the workplace. Well, I'm not there now. It take three people to do my job. They're good for them. You got to pay more. I hope they flunk. Never hope things fail because you are leaving your home, workplace or the church. This person has a small mind. This person is malicious, vindictive and outright mean. It's getting quiet in here now. Number five. Leave people that you're departing with pleasant memories of you. Leave people with pleasant memories of you. Do not cause people to dread your return. Instead, you should leave in such a way that should you return. Those you left are delighted to have you back. Number six, because life consists of arrivals and departures. Until God calls us to heaven, you say arrivals and departures, what do you mean? That's what I meant, arrivals and departures. You start college and you graduate from college, hopefully. You, you start in the workplace and then you, re, you retire or you leave to a better job or relocate to another city. You, you leave one church and you, you want to go back home. Um, arrivals and departures. Even in the airport, it's arrivals and departure. Life is full of arrivals and departure. Whenever you depart, listen well, beloved. Leave with dignity, leave with grace, and leave with humility. Leave with dignity. Don't lose your dignity. Don't lose your grace. And don't lose your humility. Number seven, always leave home, work, and your church assembly in a way that glorifies God and blesses those with whom you had relationships with. Always leave homework of the church assembly in a way that glorifies Christ and blesses those with whom you had relationship. Number eight, leave in such a way that minimizes hurt And does not impede the work of Christ. This is good for your children, your grandchildren. This is good for relatives and friends. Leave in such a way that minimizes hurt and does not impede the work of Christ. Finally, in this section, leave. I say this one for last the Lord has given to me. Leave in such a way that God can bless your next destination. You see, if you don't leave right, then wherever you're going is not going to get blessed because you didn't leave the previous place right. Leave in such a way that God can bless your next destination, wherever that is, in the workplace, in the home and even the church. First John 2:20. 20. I move it on. First John 2:20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. A believer who is anointed and walks in the Holy Spirit is able to discern truth from error. A believer who is anointed by the Holy One is able to discern truth from error and is able to uh, withstand the attacks of Satan because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. All things, you see all things in verse 20, uh, 1 John 2.20, all things here means all things necessary for salvation. Christians do not have perfect knowledge, but we do have the ability to discern truth from error, Okay. When you're growing in Christ, you're learning the word, you're full of the spirit, you can discern truth from error. 1 John 2.21, go on down, verse 21. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. John was not writing to those who were spiritual novices, but rather he wanted to encourage the church to be on all out alert hold on to and treasure what they know to be true from the word of God. What are you saying? No matter how popular a person is, no matter how attractive or appealing or charismatic a person may be, it does not matter whether this person is your, your sibling, your brother, your sister, uh, your mother, your father, your husband or wife. If they teach a doctrine that differs from the word of God, it is a lie and a deception, regardless as to who it comes from. It is not the truth and we must not embrace a lie, regardless of who it comes from. No lie is of the truth. Every lie has its origin from the devil. John 8, 44 says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. The devil has, does not have one ounce of truth in him. He's an habitual professional liar. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He's the embodiment of lies, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Whenever you hear a lie, Satan is lurking in the wings. In closing, how does one know? when they are in the church for the wrong reasons. You say, all this is infertile, John? you better know it. How does one know when they're in the church for the wrong reasons? A, when one goes to church for the purpose of gaining social and business contacts and to pursue personal relationships. It's about networking, business contacts. You give a person your business card before you give them an an evangelistic card to win them to Christ. Look how quiet it is in here. You don't come in here to make a sale. I've been pastoring churches now for 37 years, and I've never sold the church anything for my own personal gain. Only thing I'm concerned about is your soul. I want to see you grow into your God-given potential. My wife and I led the church when we had little and when we had much. And and then much became little all over again. We had to work jobs with children. We had to be bivocational. Sometimes people see where you are, but they don't know what you've been through. We've had to have everything that grew in the yard had to bear some kind of fruit. We had to have a vegetable garden. We're in survivor's mode. We bought food that could fill those kids up. Grits, rice, potatoes, throw some burgers in between. (laughs) But we made it. We made it. We made it. If this church couldn't give me one penny, listen at this. It's not written. If this church said tomorrow we can't give you one dime, it's okay. I will still mount this pulpit. I will still be here every Sunday. I will still give it my utmost best. I will still love you unconditionally. I will still marry your children and bury your dead and rejo- bless your babies and baptize your kinfolk because I love you. <laughs> because I love you. I work at night and pass it on day to do the work of God. We've been by vocational. We know what that's like. We've pastored a traditional church. We've passed a new church plant. We had to go to work and work jobs and then go to school at the same time. And, and we didn't have much and still was determined to keep our kids in Christian school to have a Judeo-Christian value. I have one person say, well. Uh, I'm not gonna call call name. They said, "Well, you wouldn't struggle so hard if you got your children out of Christian school and put them in public school." I'm not saying public school is bad, but that was our conviction, and so we drove that car another ten years to keep our kids in Christian school. That was our decision. We we tried to give them that. We gave them our all because we love them. I'm not for sale. You can't buy me. You can take me out to the most expensive steak restaurant in town, you get out of line, that steak is already digested. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you the truth. If you don't want to hear the truth, then don't don't ask me. I'll eat your steak and then still tell you the truth in love. I'm not going to shut my mouth because you bought me a steak. (laughs) Oh, God, help me. Oh, that was just A. Let me go on. Uh, B, when one comes to church, how do you know, how does one know when they are in church for the wrong reasons? B, when when one comes to church solely out of duty or because it is a long standing habit, routine, or family tradition. My mama went to this church. My daddy went to this church. Uh, my uh I've been a deacon at this church. My daddy uh, is dying, but I'm, I'm here. My daddy was a deacon in the church. They're not doing nothing in the church. The children are not doing nothing, but they're they going on the merits of their parents. They're here, watching their clocks. That's why we have clocks on the wall. You better look at your cell phone or something and make sure it's not on. No clocks in heaven, folks, sorry. Long-standing routine. See, one When one comes to church to seek power, popularity, and to carry out their own personal agenda. That's coming to church for the wrong reason. When you come to church to seek power, popularity, and carry out your own personal agenda. Don't worry about if you're not in charge. Don't worry about if people don't call you by your title. Matter of fact, don't worry about none of that. Long as you got Jesus, long as you serve, and long as you glorify God, that's what matters at the end of the day. Don't worry about your name not being on something. Make sure your name is on heaven's roll. That's right. Make sure you know without a doubt you've been born again. Get over yourself. Thank God that you're alive. God saved you and you're going to have the gift of encouragement and you're going to be a blessing whether you get recognized or don't get recognized. God is on the throne and he sees and he knows and he's going to reward your faith. Finally, but not the least. When one comes to church because they have been planted by Satan. To sow discord in the church assembly. Do you realize in every church assembly, there are a few, I hope, I hope there are not many, who have actually been planted in the congregation by Satan himself to wreak havoc in the Lord's church? They will look good, they will smell good, they will be knowledgeable, they will be friendly, they'll be socially wonderful great personality, charismatic in their disposition. But the enemy has placed them here. And the true character of that person will come out when they have been planted by the enemy. I'm going to tell you, that's why you need to come to church if you really know the Lord. I need you to help me fight the devil. I need you to help me fight, amen? And when you stay home, the devil doesn't stay home because you stay home, he's still here. Don't let me be here fighting the devil and you at home eating ice cream. When one comes to church because they have been planted by Satan to sow discord in the church assembly. Your reason for coming, listen to this, your reason for being in church must be Christ-centered, which is your your reason for coming to church not only must be Christ-centered, you you must learn of Christ, that's being Christ-centered, To be Christ-centered is to grow in Christ. That's why you're here. To be Christ-centered is to disciple others in Christ. To be Christ-centered is to encourage others to walk with Christ. If you're here for any other reason, you will soon be led astray, you will lose your joy, and will be ripe to be used by Satan. Beloved, Christ paid too great a price on Calvary for us to be deceived into embracing the lies of the enemy. This is an insult to Jesus, who is the greatest gift from God the Father to you and I. The God who saved us is God enough to help us be faithful. The God who saved us is God enough to help us to press on in the best or worst of times. The God who saved us is able to help us to endure and to keep on keeping on, to agonize as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus people will come people will go people they don't stay in a permanent mode one day they're your friend and they can turn against you and be your arch enemy you keep your eyes on Jesus because after all at the end of the day all of us are sinners You don't know what the motives of people are. You don't know why they're doing it. Now, I hope they are all doing it for the right reason. But the point, the truth is, you don't know the heart. Be careful. Keep your eyes on Jesus and people won't let you down. Huh? Personalities won't let you down. The director of the choir won't let you down. The musician won't let you down. A preacher won't let you down. A deacon won't let you down. A coordinator won't let you down. Somebody you think highly of won't let you down. Some folk wouldn't, you know, they, they they fall into sin and they leave the church. And all of a sudden, you all messed up, tore up, and you can't function. You become dysfunctional. And Satan won't now you out the church because that person's out the church. Well, why did you have your eyes on them anyway? And why are you leaving because they left? Maybe God moved them so you can get to know God and grow up. The goal of your being here is Christ likeness. And all God's children said, amen. Let's pray. And father, I gave it my best. First John is some kind of book. It convicts, all of us got convicted. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank you that the word will straighten us up. It will humble us. It will spiritually recalibrate us. It will give us new spiritual traction to move Heavenward. Help us to keep on keeping on and to love you and to be faithful to you in the best of time and the worst of time. And father, when we love you, we'll love your church. When we love you, we'll give our tithes and offerings. When we love you, we'll serve in ministry. When we love you, we'll stand and withstand. When we will love you, we don't let the little things mess us up and we stop doing and start cackling in our own little bedrooms with our spouses and all of that, that doesn't mean nothing. What matters is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Help us to keep the main thing the main thing and to repent of the sins of the tongue, the sins of the attitude because you hear and you see what others don't see or hear. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen.
0: The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's word, for his word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved.